Listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. say you asked for it. Come on, turn to the person you didn't want to talk to on the other side and say you asked for it too. You asked for it, so here it is. What a great series. It's the first time that we've ever done this and we're loving it and it's going to be something that every year we're probably going to have on our calendar where we polled you, the congregation, and said what is it that you need to hear? What struggles, what words do we need to speak into your life? And we've had some really, really good stuff, I think. How do I know it's God? That was good last week. You need to be a part of that. What was the first week again? My mind went blank. What was the first week? It was so inspiring that everyone remembers it. So glad that you remembered that. Pieces of the pie. How do I handle stress and busyness? In life, how do I manage life's challenges? There it is. Just got so busy and so stressed, I forgot about the message. But God's word works in every one of our lives. And today we're so excited to be dealing on the subject of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. And don't get distracted first and foremost with the spiritual thought because some people can say, oh, it's. No, spiritual is just identifying the type of the battle that we're in. That it's a spiritual battle we're going to discover in a few moments. It's just identifying the enemy that we're against. That the enemy wants to take us out. If you don't know who that is, it's the devil. It's Satan. It's that red man with his pajama, pajamas on and his pitchfork. Whatever you want to call him, he's not your friend. He's your enemy and he wants to destroy you. And that's why we need to understand spiritual war. So today we're going to look at the what, the why, and the how of spiritual warfare. Is that cool? What it does, okay? What's its purpose? What is spiritual warfare? Why do we need to engage in it? What and why as a child of God do I need to be engaged in spiritual warfare, prepared for it? And how, how do we overcome? I want to tell you from the beginning of the message today, are you ready? The outcome of spiritual warfare is this, victory. It's victory that you are more than an overcomer through Christ. I think I can get a better applause than that. Come on, we're not watching LSU last night, we're listening to the Word of God. Can I have a better response? Come on, come on. Spiritual warfare. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. You know, I really wanted to go to another passage because this is like the passage on spiritual warfare. If you were to ask most people, they would take you there. And I was like, man, let's find something different. But I thought, man, if I want to know how to do my garden, I'm not going to ask someone how to sow. 
I'm going to go to someone who knows. So if we're going to know spiritual warfare, come on, let's not apologize for going to the same scripture. Let's read the scripture and know the scripture. As you turn into Ephesians chapter 6, I want you to know something about the book of Ephesians. It's actually comprised of three separate sections. The sections of Ephesians are as this. The first three chapters define the work of God in our lives, what God wants to do in our lives. Chapters 4 and 5 talks about the walk of Christianity. So God explains to us what he wants us to do. Then the middle shows us what we're supposed to do. And then chapter 6, the last chapter, speaks about the warfare of the Christian. How we are going to carry out that which God has called us. Come on. How we're going to walk the work that God has called us to do. Let me say that again. How as children of God, we're going to walk out the work that God has called us to do. Not lay down and be defeated and say, oh me, oh my, poor me, the enemy. He's coming against me. I'm glad the enemy comes against me sometimes. Why? Because then at least he's leaving you alone. Smith Wigglesworth once woke up and he saw the devil himself. True story. The devil himself sitting on his bed. How did he know it was the devil? I don't know. He told the story and he looked at the devil and said, Oh, it's only you and rolled over and went back to sleep. My God, he understood. Come on, the walk and the work was engaged through spiritual warfare and we are an overcomer through Christ Jesus. What is the tactics of terrorism? The tactics of terrorism is by the name, terror, to inflict terror into our lives, to paralyze us with fear. The enemy is the ultimate terrorist that wants to inflict fear in our lives so that we'll become timid. Come on, we've got to rise up like a mighty army and start declaring, greater is he that was within me than, man, I'm ready to preach today, than he that is in the world. God, you're not giving me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And I'm going to engage in spiritual warfare with a sound mind. That's just the introduction. Ephesians 6, verse 10. We could just go home and say amen to that. Amen. Ephesians 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Point number one, what? Say with me, what? What is the attack? What is the demise of the enemy? What did we just read? Look what it says again. Put that verse up again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That defines the life that you and I are supposed to live. A powerful and mighty life. (laughs) Survey says, not my life. Because too many people are not living in the power and the might of God. That's Satan's tactics to remove us from a place of power and position in God. To remove us from God's ability to do and to produce in your life. To live in victory and to have the victory in your life. The Message Bible says it this way of verse 10. God is strong and he wants you to be strong. I like that. God is strong, but he wants you and I 
to be strong. Let's use another thought to that verse. God is strong and he wants you to be stronger. Satan is defeated and he wants you to be deflated, defeated and destroyed. Can you see the parallel there? God is strong and he is stronger than anything. Satan is defeated, but what does he want us to do? Just like God wants us to be like him, Satan wants us to live like him too. Defeated, deflated and destroyed. 1 Peter 5 verse 8, you've got to be sober, you've got to be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, you've got to know what he wants to do. He's walking around like a roaring lion. Come on, like a roaring lion. He ain't got no teeth because on Calvary, Jesus kicked them out. So all he can do is just act like and scare us and intimidate us. And what is his purpose? To try to devour us. So what is spiritual warfare? It's our fight against him. Come on, it's our fight that we have and that which we will prevail over him and every onslaught that he throws our way. Why? Because we've got to remind ourselves that we are powerful and mighty in God. God is strong and I am strong in God. Where's your biggest battle? Between your ears. Biggest battle is between your ears in your mind. But unfortunately, it doesn't just stop in your mind. It then takes the 18-inch journey and it goes into your life source. It goes into your heart. And then what happens? We begin to believe the lies. We begin to believe the attacks. We begin to believe the onslaught. And then we find ourselves living it. What? Living defeated. And eventually, we become exactly like the lies of the enemy. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as a man thinks in his heart. So he is. So he becomes. We cannot have the wrong thinking. The enemy wants us to be defeated. God is strong. I'm going to keep preaching this till I get someone to help me. God is strong and because he's strong, you can be strong and we can be mightiful and powerful in God as we engage against the enemy and the attacks that he has against us. I asked some of my pastor friends, I just texted them the other day and said, what's spiritual warfare? And they're all like, um, just let me get back to you on that one. No, I, I don't want it. Just give me right off your head what it is. Don't research it. Just bam, give it to me. So here's what they gave. Are you ready? I love them. It's this. Spiritual warfare is how we fight spiritual battles which cannot be won by natural means. Spiritual warfare or warfare itself is all about territory. So spiritual warfare is about setting and protecting our territory. Taking back those things that the enemy has no right to. My family, my church, my friends, my finances and my health. Come on, we're going to preach in the house today. Spiritual warfare is refusing to let the enemy control my thought process. My emotions and my everyday living. It's to take back the ground that I have surrendered and given over to him and to live and to walk in the victory that's already been won for me that is victory in Christ Jesus. Spiritual warfare is a believer taking a stand against the enemy. But the place we stand is just as important as taking the stand in the first place. Because the only authority we have against the authorities of this world is through the name of Jesus, the completed work of the cross and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
So in my opinion, one writes, true spiritual warfare is taking dominion in any situation by granting control in the situation to Jesus and inviting him to be sovereign in every circumstance. Let me say that again. That's a good conclusion. True spiritual warfare is taking dominion in any situation. Saying, devil, enough is enough. You stole my joy for long enough. You stole my health for long enough. My financial struggles and problems in our home. Come on, enough is enough. You've taken it long enough. Enough, and it's now granting control over to Jesus. Jesus, you can handle this now. And inviting him to be sovereign in any situation. Why? Because God is strong. And he wants you to be strong. Amen. So what is spiritual warfare defined right there? Why? Why do I need to engage in it? Can I not just say devil be gone and then that's the end? I wish we could. But the reason we can't is because you can give the devil, we don't tend to give the devil much credit, but what you've got to give him credit for is this, he doesn't quit. Come on, he doesn't leave you alone, you don't just rebuke him and he goes. Come on, when you rebuke him, he comes back in a greater way and in another way and and comes in, he doesn't leave you alone. But don't be worrying about that because greater is he that is within you. No matter how many times he comes, God is strong in your life. So why do we need to engage in it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's read on Ephesians 6 verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of God. Of the devil. New Living Translation says, Stand firm against the strategies and the tricks of the devil. Man, he's a trickster, isn't he? Come on, his strategies are true. He, 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 someone said this once Can Satan read your mind? No, Satan can't read your mind. He doesn't have to read your mind, he just has to read your Facebook and he knows what's going on in your mind. Come on, devil loves social media, he loves it, he loves it. Message Bible says, so take everything the master has set up for you, the well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up. Come on, say that with me, stand up. That you'll be able to stand up no matter what the devil throws your way. You can remain standing. Come on, when the dust settles... Come on, and the smoke clears. Come on, you don't have to be laying broken in a pile in the middle. You can be still standing up saying, as for me and my house, we're still serving God. We're still living God. Come on, devil, bring it on. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be knocked down. Come on, let's just be real. Come on, let's just say it how it is. I know in my life I've been knocked down many times by circumstances and situations. Kelly and I just want to be real with you right now. Just over the last few months, we've been knocked down by a situation in our family that has literally knocked us to our knees and broken our hearts. But listen, what Satan has meant for harm, what Satan has meant for destruction, God's word says, I can turn it around for good. And we chose to stand. So from our knees, what happens? If we don't watch, we can feel sorry for ourselves and the enemy can feel bigger than us from our knees. And I'm not talking about our knees from prayer. I'm talking about being knocked to our knees. Absolutely devastated and destroyed. A place of brokenness. But what did we do? We regrouped in that place. Come on, we refocused. 
Come on, we resized the situation, come on. And we refused to stay down and we began to engage in prayer. We said, hey devil, since you knocked us to our knees, we're just going to stay there and use our knees now for the right thing. Come on, we've regrouped, we've resized, we've recharged, we've re-energized. And now devil, watch out because you've woken a sleeping giant because we're now doing something. So from our knees now, we're in a position of praise. We're in a position of warfare. We're in a position of victory. Come on, you can't stay down. There's nothing more the enemy wants you to live defeated. And tell everyone else about it and make your issues someone else's issues too. We've got to realize the tactics and what Satan is out to do in our lives. You know what else we've turned to? God's word. We're turned to God's Word. You need to read God's Word. You need to know God's Word because it's that that can help you. We began to recall scriptures. Look at the statement I came up with. Oh, I don't have it there. Sorry. It says this, A day without reading God's Word is not merely a slip. It is a setup for failure. There it is. A day without reading God's Word is not a slip. Oh, I slipped up. No, it's a setup. For failure, you need to read God's word. But look what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. It says, But we have this treasure. Come on, say, I have this treasure. Come on, I have power and I have hope inside of my life. This is the scriptures that Kelly and I have been reminding ourselves about. We have a treasure inside of us, in our vessels, in our bodies, that is the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, that means not having all the answers, but not in despair. We feel We feel persecuted, but we're never forsaken. We're struck down, but not, come on, say with me, not destroyed. Come on, not destroyed. Not destroyed. Not destroyed. Not destroyed. The Message Bible says this, we are spiritually terrorized, but God has not left our side. One version says you may be knocked down, baby, but you're not knocked out. It may be a seven, it may be an eight, but watch out, you're getting back up because greater is He that's within you. Come on, we're doing some spiritual warfare in the house today. Yes, we were knocked down. Yes, we were knocked down, but we chose not to stay down. And we recruited the help of God to meet our need. Come on, we're in spiritual warfare today. And watch out, devil, because that means you're defeated. You don't have to live long to know that we're in a battle. Come on, you don't have to live long in your life to know that you're in a battle. Satan's not happy. And you know why he's not happy? Because he knows his fate. He knows what is purposed and destined for his life. He's not happy. So in that position, what does he do? He knows his fate, so he tries to take anyone and everyone he can with him. He tries to go down and bring as many people with him. Come on, read on Ephesians 6 verse 12. It says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, 
in heavenly places. How many would say with me that just the devil would have been fine there? I mean, we wrestle against the devil. I mean, come on, that's a long list right there. Anyone with me on that? That's a long list. I mean, it's talking about powers and rulers and hosts. No wonder the opposition against us is so great at times because look what is against us. Satan has thrown all of his arsenal at you, at your families, at your finances, at your health because he don't like you. And he's trying to take you out. It's a real attack. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a real attack. Bury your head in the sand all you want. It's real. It's going to be waiting for you when you come back up to reality again because it's a real attack. But notice the attack. It's not fleshly. It's a spiritual attack. Attack. Our fight is not really others. Your fight is not against your spouse. You may be fighting, you may be warring, but that's not really your fight. Come on, your fight's not against your mother-in-law. Come on, your fight's not against your kids. Your fight's not against your parents. Your fight's not against your boss. Your fight's not against your neighbors. It's a spiritual battle. And because it's a spiritual battle, you can't do battle with guns and knives. You, you, you just can't shoot the problem away. You can't just slash the problem away. You, you can't handle that thing. And therefore we feel powerless because I can't really do it physically. But listen, that's why God says it's a spiritual battle. That you've got to engage physically in a spiritual battle. And how do you do that? On your knees in prayer. On your knees in prayer is how you fight the battle. And it's how you fight the enemy. You see, we've got to see the real source for what it is instead of just dealing with the symptoms. Well, I can just go to counseling. Yeah, you can. You can handle all of that. But counseling, there's maybe a little bit of a greater need in your life. We need to be rebuking the devil in our lives and over our lives and just coming against him. Come on, but I've I got to say this though. Everything's not a devil or a demon. Don't, don't get to the place where my husband shouted, I'm going to cast that devil out of him. It's not a devil. It's not a devil. Don't get so super spiritual with that. But what we will see is this. It's Satan busily at work to take you out by any means possible. Satan wrote the book, by the way, on foul play. He, he knows every tactic under the table tactics there are out there. Read on. Therefore. Say with me, therefore. Verse 13. Therefore. Take up the whole armor of God. Remember we're in the part two. Why? Why do I need to engage? Take up the whole armor of God. Well, here it is, that you, every one of us, none excluded, that you, me, I, may be able to withstand in the evil day. Because it's coming. Opposition is coming. If it hasn't met you by now, it may be waiting for you when you leave the church today. I'm not being negative. Remember what some pastor said? Well, that's not very positive. Well, let me be positive. I'm positive it's going to be waiting for you sometime. I mean, let's just be real. It's the attack. It's the enemy out there. But when you know how to engage in that battle, you don't have to be afraid. I don't walk through my life so afraid like, oh, the devil's going to jump out on me. I, I just walk through life saying, God, I'm prepared. And if he jumps out, God, I just believe that I'm ready. I pray before I leave the house in the morning. I read. Why? Because I'm preparing. I pray before my feet even hit the floor in the morning. I say, God, before my feet hit the floor today, God, I want you to use me. I want me to, my life to be powerful and life-changing. I pray a prayer like that every day, and then I put my feet on the floor. Pray those prayers. 
Did you catch, though, the shift that took place in 12 and 13? You've got to see this. Because verse 12 talks about the struggle and the opposition. The principalities, the powers, the rulers. It talks about everything that is stacked up against us to get us and to destroy our life. In the problem. You've got to stand up. You've got to get back up. And there's so much in God's word. And I wish to have more time. But in this passage of scripture, there's actually three stands that we see. The first one is in verse 11. It says to stand against. It literally means to be found. Here's what it means. To hold at bay aggressively. It means to stand opposed to. It's like almost someone trying to push through the door. And you're standing there. You know that struggle. To stand in opposition to. That's the first stand. The second stand is this. It means to be found standing after an active battle. In other words, it means you're in a wrestling match and you're fighting and you've maybe been knocked down, but you've got back up again and you're still standing and you're still wrestling and you're still fighting. In other words, you haven't given up. Turn to your neighbor and say you haven't given up. But you know what? I love the last stand. Here's the last stand. Are you ready? Devil, I've stood in opposition to you. You've maybe knocked me to my knees. I may be reeling back a little bit. I'm in a fight and I'm in a wrestle. But the last stand says, come on, I'm ready for the next battle. I'm up. I'm standing. Come on, bring it on, devil. Whatever you have, I'm still here. Listen, if the devil could have killed you, he would have done a long time. But the reason you're here today declares that God is greater than any power of the enemy and that's the last stand saying devil you've maybe given everything you've got but I'm still here and I'm still trusting and I'm still believing God wow that could preach right there if I had time say point number three point number three how 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 so how do we engage in the battle how do we prevail how do we endure how do we ultimately win Again, verse 13 is our answer. It says, take up the whole armor of God. An important word there is whole armor of God. It's not just take up what you feel like. It's not saying, well, I don't like that. Oh, it doesn't match my uniform. It doesn't look good. It doesn't make me look hot. It doesn't make me look appealing. I mean, people think I'm crazy. No, take up the whole armor of God. Don't be partially equipped, but wholly equipped for a spiritual battle. And Paul actually uses, as a metaphor, he uses the thought of spiritual armory as a physical armory, as he refers to a Roman soldier that they knew of those days in the battle dress of a first century Roman soldier. So let's go through it really quickly. It says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having girt your waist with truth. Come on, say with me, belt of truth. That's the first Weapon, that's the first armory that we have in our lives. New Living Translation says, Stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth. The importance of the belt and the purpose of the belt is as follows. The belt was made of leather and it was used not only to hold armor together, but it was also used to hold a sword and a shield for the soldier. It was also used to hold their garment. Think about it. When they ran into battle, they could tuck their garment up into their belt to stop them from tripping and falling into battle. What does that speak of? Truth is that which wants to hold our whole lives together. 
If your faith and hope are not grounded in biblical truth, when what you believe it comes under attack, it's going to eventually fall and fail in a spiritual battle if you're not built upon the rock, Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. If your belief system is on your opinion and not the word of God, it's not going to hold true. Only truth is going to hold true because the Bible says you shall know the truth. And it's the truth that brings freedom in your life. We've got to live by the truth. We've got to allow truth be all around us each and every day. Stop living a lie. Have integrity. Have honesty in your life. Have the truth belt around you. Verse 14, read on. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Say with me, breastplate of righteousness. The Greek word for breastplate there is thorax, which literally means a heart protector. You've got to protect your heart. The Roman soldier's breastplate was made from small metal plates that were tied together, almost like roofing tiles on a roof. And they would not only be that which would deflect the blows of the enemy, but they allowed a flexibility and a mobility in battle. They weren't rigid, they could move, they could function, but yet be protected at the same time. And it was that which protected the major organs of their body. What does Paul call it? He doesn't just call it a breastplate. He calls it a breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is the quality of being right or just in the eyes of God. In other words, righteousness is doing things God's way. I've got to protect my heart. How do I protect my heart? By doing things God's way way. There's a, there's, a, there's a tendency, there's a distraction, there's an opportunity every day to do things your way. No one else is looking. No one else will know. God does. God does. God wants us to be righteous, to protect our heart. The Bible speaks of in Proverbs, keep your heart with all diligence. One ver- translation says, above everything else, guard your heart. Why? Because it's the source of life from your heart springs. It sets the course. It sets the GPS. It causes the boundaries of your life. So we've got to live and protect our heart by living by His lead. Come on. Verse 15, and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Come on, say with me, shoes of the gospel. Shoes of the gospel. Feet preparation is so important. I remember years ago when we would go on expeditions, weeks before we went away hiking for four, five days, carrying all our supplies and being out in the middle of nowhere, we did foot preparation where you had to prepare your feet. You had to get rid and remove all rough skin. You needed to know how to trim your nails properly and all these things. Why? Because if you lost your ability to walk, you lost your ability to function. So foot preparation is so important. It's amazing that the Roman soldier's shoes were made out of leather. And they were really sandals. You've seen them. And a lot of time, I think last summer, they were kind of in style where they had the sandals and they had the leather straps that would wrap around the calves and they would literally come up to the knee of the soldier. 
And it's very important as I was studying through this. I never knew this before. But what it did, it enabled an endurance. And you would look at something like that and think, why not big boots? I mean, that's for endurance. Why a sandal-type shoe with straps that was wrapped all around? It produced endurance because Roman soldiers were able to march at least 25 miles a day. Listen, with no blistering and no fungus being allowed into their feet. Why? Because the open type of their shoes allowed the air to come in for their feet to stay dry for the problems and to keep it all sanitized and fresh. Wow. There would also be a piece of metal in the sole of the shoe. Why? It caused stability. That when they stood on a rock, they wouldn't break their ankle because that piece of metal would hold them still. And you know what else was in their shoes? They had studs on the bottom of their soles. And the reason they had those studs was if they were engaged in battle, come on, and there was a push and there was a struggle, come on, they had grip and they could stand and they could make it. Can you see the thoughts of what our lives need to be as the shoes as we go and take the message to other people? Come on, there needs to be a consistency in our life that we're not down for the count because my feet are so sore today and I can't tell people about Jesus. Come on, that every day we can be busy doing the work of God. That come on, there can be a stability in our life and traction in our life that no matter the circumstances and the situations, we can still endure and make it through. Come on, we cannot be knocked off our feet when we're the hope of the world. And God has called us to be that. Read on, verse 16. This is okay today? Above all else, New Living Translation says, in every battle, you will need faith as your shield. Above all else, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Say with me, the shield of faith. It was a large shield. They had actually two shields. One would be on their belt, a smaller shield, but this was a bigger shield. It was made of two layers of wood that were pressed together, glued together, much like plywood today. They were curved on the side, so when a blow came, it would go off the side. And then that two pieces of wood glued together were covered by six layers of animal hide. And what they would have to do is they would have to maintain that animal hide because in the sun, in the dust, with the dryness, it would get dry and it would get brittle. And notice it's got to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. So what they would do is they had olive oil and they would rub olive oil over that shield. Come on, that's our faith. The shield is our faith. It's our relationship with God. How's your relationship with God going? Because if you just got saved and you've never done anything else, your shield may still be there. But come on, when the fiery darts come, it's going to be brittle, it's going to be dry, and it's going to be susceptible to the attack of the enemy. Come on, you've got to have the Holy Spirit functioning in your life. It's the oil of the Spirit that you've got to apply to your life so you can have a right relationship with God that is maintained so you can quench every fiery dart. The Bible says that every fiery dart, all darts can be quenched. You've got to have a relationship with God. Verse 17, and the helmet of salvation. Say with me, helmet of salvation. Soldier's helmet was very important. It was made of copper and iron alloy, mixed together for extra strength, domed on the top. It had pieces down the side, on the neck, and over the front. For what reason? It protected the head from all directions, from the side, from the top, from the front, and from the back. Come on, our mind is a battlefield. 
And we have got to protect our thoughts. How do you protect your thoughts? By not building your life upon man's opinions and maybe what you think of yourself. You've got to put on the truth of salvation. And that is you've got to know who I am in Christ Jesus. Come on. You've got to know the truth of God's Word. You can't keep birds, they say, from flying over your head. But you can stop them from nesting. You can't control all the thoughts that come into your mind. But you can control the ones that stay. And 2 Corinthians 10 reminds us that we've got to bring those thoughts into captivity. It's talking about spiritual warfare. Because what we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, remember? And Corinthians talks about that, that we are not carnal. We can't fight with carnal weapons, but we've got to what? We've got to engage and we've got to bring our thoughts into captivity to what? The obedience of Christ. We've got to find Christ in our minds and in our thoughts and in our lives. Verse 17, and the sword of the Spirit. Say with me, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the only offensive weapon that the Roman soldier had. The only weapon of offense. Everything else was to take blows, to sustain blows and attacks, to block the enemy. And actually, the Roman soldiers had four types of sword, but the one that it's talked about here is the double-edged sword. In Greek, it was called the distomus. Which literally means this, the two-mouthed is what it means. Two-mouthed. I read behind Perry Stone this week, and listen to what he says about this sword. And I thought, how powerful when he talks about the two-mouthed, because the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He says, on the believer's sword, there are two sides. One is sharpened when God spoke his word to his prophets. And the second blade is the power released from the written word of God when you and I speak it. Think about that. So one side of the sword is the word of God that God's already spoken. But the other side is when we speak the word of God and we release the power of the word of God. Thus two-mouthed sword. So when you speak the word of God, you're not just speaking your words, you are speaking God's words and it cuts both ways. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? You and I have got to speak the word of God. You've got to speak the word that God has spoken to you. I wish I had more time, but the entirety of God's word is called the Logos of God's word. That's the Greek, that's the Logos, that's the entirety of the word of God. But there's another thought in there that's called the Rhema word. The rhema word is the word that God's spoken for you. That's right, Dustin's going like this. It's the word that you know without a shadow of doubt that God's spoken over your life for your kids to be saved, for for blessing in your life. It's that word that you've got that when the enemy comes in, you can go back to that rhema word because nothing can take that away. Oh, thank God for the logos word, but I need a rhema word too that speaks right into my situation. Yes, the sword can be offensive, but sometimes the sword can be defensive too. Because the word of God can defend our hearts against the lies and the deceptions that the enemy wants to throw our way. And many people stop there and say, okay, that's all the armor. Close the book. Let's go home. But we haven't finished yet. I'm nearly finished. Verse 18 says, praying always. Say with me, praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end. With all perseverance. What does that mean? With all perseverance. Not being denied. 
Come on, I'm going to engage in the battle till I see the answer. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. If I haven't got it yet, I'm in a spiritual warfare and I'm going to keep fighting. If I haven't seen the victory yet, I haven't seen the answer yet. So I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep prevailing in God. I'm going to keep holding on and supplicating, it says, for all the saints. speaks of an intercessor who stands and prays. Thank God for intercessors in the body of Christ that pray for other people and stand in agreement for them. So I've got to close. I'm almost done. But look what it says. Paul's final directive is this. Praying always. Say that with me. Praying always. Listen to this. Prayer is not so much a weapon or even a part of the armor as it is the means by which we engage in the battle itself. It's the purpose for which we are armed. We are dressed up. And as we pray... Every part comes into play. Because now prayer is not the weapon. It's not what we have. We're already prepared in the armor of God. But prayer now engages that armor. Come on. To put on the armor is the preparation for battle. Where prayer is the battle itself. When we engage against the enemy. Come on. It's that which engages us and it's that which brings the victory. And what does he say? We pray what? What are we to speak? What are we to say? We're to pray God's word. Come on, God's word is to be our chief weapon employed against Satan's attack during our struggle. You need to know scriptures like greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Come on, you've got to know that God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. You've got to know no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And all those that rise up against me, God, you're going to silence and you're going to bring to naught. You've got to know the word of God because as you begin to pray his word and speak his word, you'll see the results of his word. Come on, too many Christians today are dressed, they look the part, they're ready for battle, but they're not engaged. Come on, God didn't dress you to leave you passive. God dressed you and gave you the tools you need so you can battle against the enemy, so you can see your family turned around, so you can see your finances come back to life, so you can see health come back in your body. Come on, I'm not just going to be a Christian, I'm going to be a warring Christian. Engaged in the battle that God has. It's spiritual warfare because it's a spiritual battle that Satan has warred against us. He knows the outcome. And that's why he tries to distract you and cause you to doubt and give up. Because the only way he knows he can win is that way. For you to give up and roll over and play dead. That's the only way he prevails. But come on, we've got to stand in the armor of God. Come on, we've got to put on truth every day that holds our lives together. We've got to know what we believe and believe what we know. We've got to put on our heart protector, our breastplate of righteousness and live God's way, not our way. We've got to have the shoes of the gospel each and every day. Go and carry the word of God with no compromise and not slipping and sliding and being knocked down but being consistent. We've got to have faith. We've got to have that relationship each and every day that's not waning but that's built up each day come on we've got to have what the helmet we've got to have a controlled thinking and saying I'm not going to allow the wrong things to come in and we're going to have the sword the word of God and then all of those things we have prayer that engages us in the battle that we can stand and prevail come on let's just be real the spiritual battle around us it's real But God is realer. No, it's not such a word, but it's my message and I like it. 
The attack is real, but God is realer. Come on, listen to us, devil. We know your attack is real, but God is realer. Come on, listen, devil. You maybe knocked us down for long enough, but God is strong, and we're going to be strong in him. Come on, if you believe that, stand to your feet today and shout, God is strong. Come on, God is strong. God is greater than any situation I face. God is greater. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.